The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Your Bibles to Psalm 119. We're going to talk today about the attributes of God. We're going to continue. This is part eight on the attributes of God. And we're going to pick up with attribute number 14 today. But let's look at the, at the scriptures, if you would. Psalm 119, verse 137. We read, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. Let's pray before we go on. Father, thank you for this morning and the time we have together. I pray, Lord, that you would use this time to teach us, to instruct us, to better understand you and the role you have in our lives. And, and, and just help us, Lord, to, to be more pleasing unto thee through the life we lead. Thank you for this time. We, we ask you bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, we, we can only know the attributes of God as they are presented to us in his word. Um, we, can, we can learn people. Um, I raised three children. My wife and I, we raised three children, and I know those children. I know them well. I know them better than they know themselves. And... Uh, through close association, we, we, can, we can learn people, but, about people. But with the Lord, it's different. Even though we have close association with him, we don't, he's beyond our perception. So the only, the only way that we can understand God is through his own written testimony to us. This is the only way. So many people make so many presumptions uh, concerning the nature and the the attribute of God, and yet they don't apply those, those opinions, they don't measure them by the true standard given to us by God himself. So a study of the word of God will reveal to us the truth of God and the truth about God. Now this morning I'm going to start, as I said, with attribute number 14, and that is God is righteous and just. And we just read in Psalm 119 and verse 137, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. So God is righteous and, and he's just in everything that, that he does. Righteousness can be defined as moral equity. And justice is the illustration or the application of this moral equity. In righteousness, God reveals his love for holiness. But in justice, God reveals his hatred for sin. So by God's, by God's application of righteousness, he, he shows his holiness. He doesn't, he doesn't let things go unjustified and the the just God's justice shows his 
hatred for sin. God hates sin. That's something that needs to sink deep into our hearts. He hates sin. So when we so flippantly do things in our lives that we know are wrong, what we're doing is flaunting our own behavior in the face of God. We're inviting, (laughs) we're inviting the justice of God. Yet we do it all the time. The scriptures present this attribute of God, his righteousness and justice. They are presented in, in three, a threefold light. And that's, I want to discuss that just for a few moments now. So first, letter A, we see the intrinsic righteousness and justice of God. The intrinsic just like it sounds. The intrinsic righteousness and justice of God. Now what do I mean by that? Well, the word intrinsic is defined as the essential nature or the constitution of something. The essential nature or that which constitutes a behavior. It is by this that God is God. When we talk about the intrinsic righteousness of God, this implies that God cannot behave in an unrighteous manner and remain God. It's impossible. The, the scriptures tell us it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to behave in an unrighteous manner. By extension, anything God does is righteous. Any action God takes is justified. Because he is God. And his nature, his essential nature dictates that he will always do that which is righteous and fair. Therefore, anything God does must be righteous. Must be righteous in its nature, for God cannot behave in an unrighteous manner. Even those things we would not understand to be righteous. Hmm? Have you ever had someone come to you and question God's righteousness or question God's fairness in something that he allows to take place. You know, with all these shootings that we have across the country and, and with some of the terrible, terrible things that happen. I've had so many people come up to me because they know I'm a, a believer. They've come up to me and said, how can, how can you serve a God like that? What kind of God would allow uh, something like that to take place? So we don't always understand that the things that happen are just, are righteous. We may question them. And, and, and even the best of us in this room at times might, might not understand why a certain thing happens. 
Well, this is God's intrinsic righteousness. Even those things we don't understand are righteous by God. Exodus chapter 9, verse 27. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. Yeah. You know, if you read the book of Exodus and look at all the things that God did to, to the Egyptians. You might even say, it's oh, kind of harsh, don't you think, God? I mean, killing the firstborn's children, that was, that was pretty harsh, huh? What about in the scriptures when God told the Israelites after they left Egypt, and they went to uh, Jericho. He told them to kill everyone. Kill the women. Kill the children. Kill everything and everyone. My dad even one day in talking with me said, well, I, you know, I can't believe God said that. I don't think that's true. I can't believe that, that the God I, I serve and love would, would tell me to kill some children. Well, you might not understand the righteousness in that, but God does. And it is righteous, and it's his intrinsic righteousness. It's, it's his nature of righteousness, and we don't always understand it, but we know that it's true. In Daniel chapter 9, we read, Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not. His voice. Did you hear that? He's righteous. Daniel writes, he's righteous in his works because we didn't listen to him. The, the, the evil that comes upon us in our life is, is usually because, it's, it's not because God is being unfair, it's because we have not obeyed him. And we have brought upon our own heads the justice and judgment of God. Amen? Mm. Been a lot of things happened to me in my life, and I've stepped back and said, oh, that's, my, that's on me, God. That's my fault. Yeah. Now, God, God isn't uh, some ogre up there waiting to thump you on the head. He'd much, he'd much rather bless you. But if we don't listen to him, the justice of God shall prevail. His justice demands that we, we receive what, we, what we've earned in that wrongdoing. So be aware of that. The intrinsic righteousness of God. But then secondly, God's righteousness is seen in scripture through the legislative righteousness and justice of God. Not only do we see the intrinsic righteousness, but we see the legislative righteousness. This implies that God is using his power and authority to enforce his will. It acknowledges that God is endued with such powers as are needed to make and enforce his moral laws. Listen. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And society often feels like they're getting away with what they're doing. All of the millions of cries go up to, into the ears of God. The cries of the millions of babies that have been aborted around this world. Don't you think for a moment God hasn't seen that? And don't you think for a moment that God will not bring justice upon that? Oh, yes. You see, man is foolish because God is slow to anger. And he's, he's long-suffering and he's patient. I heard a story once of a, an atheist who was at a rally and he, he hated God and he was telling the people, Oh, God is real. Let him strike me down right now as I stand here before you. Let him, let him, let him strike me down. Let him pull, bowl me over if he's real. And all of a sudden, footsteps were heard coming across the stage and he looks over. And a little lad wearing a football helmet just bowls him right over, <laughs> knocks him down. The little boy said, God is busy. I'm taking care of it for him. But that's how man is. Man does wrong. He steps back and there's no action from God. So, okay, well, I can do what I want to do. There's, there's, no, there's no justice from God. But mark it down. God's, God's pay train runs slow. But it's always on time. And listen, if you get away, if you get away your entire life with, with disobeying God, in the end, in the end, as you're being cast in the lake of fire, God will have justice. So be not deceived, God is not mocked. The legislative authority of God is seen in two authoritative actions. One, first, is the rewarding of good. The rewarding of good. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh yes, there, there is reward for doing good. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, Paul writes, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. God rewards us when we do good. Now, understand this. We can't, we can't use this as a bargaining chip. Uh, this isn't let's make a deal. If, if we do good things with the intention that we're going to get something from God, guess what? You already have your reward. 
What did Jesus say in Scripture? If you give your alms to be seen of men, verily you have your reward already. But when you give, he said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And then your father, which seeth in secret, shall reward you openly. You see, we live our life, when we live our life to glorify God, when we live our life to honor God, we're by by, by virtue of living that life, we're going to do good things. We're going to do the things that are pleasing unto the Lord. And when we do those things, God will openly reward us for doing those things. <clears throat> so the legislative justice of, and righteousness of God is seen by his rewarding of the good. But then also, it's seen by his recompensing the evil. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. That's right. The Lord, there's, there's a consequence for all of our actions. When I, I taught high school right in that corner room right there for 17 years. I used to tell my students all the time, there are consequences for all of our actions. All day long, every day, we're going to make decisions. And those decisions carry with them consequences. The consequences might be good. But the consequences might also not be good. We were, at, um, we were at retreat one year. We used to go to Mount Gilead for a week-long retreat with the teenagers. And one year, Mr. Andrews was with me, and I, I, I made this chart. I don't know if any of you, some, several of you were, were students at that time. I think you might remember this. I made this, this chart. It looked like a, looked like a giant spider web. And it started down here with decision number one. And from decision number one came two more decisions. And from those two decisions came two decisions each. And then from those four decisions came two decisions for each one. And before too long, we had hundreds of thousands of decisions that started with one decision. You see how important a decision is? There are, no, there are no small decisions. There are no little decisions. Because every decision we make will lead us to more decisions. And if we continually go down the wrong path in making decisions, ultimately we're going to have a disaster waiting for us. Every decision is important. When you wake up in the morning... What you're going to wear is a decision. That decision is going to lead you into other directions. What you, so then you go there and you, all of a sudden you find yourself later, you find yourself making decisions from decisions you made a year ago. But we don't, we don't make that connection. We don't make that connection because we don't realize decisions carry consequences. And those consequences begin to build up. It's like, it's like baggage. Put a backpack on and 
Make a decision. Pick up one rock and put it in your backpack and walk along. Make up another decision. You know, in a couple of hours, you're going to have quite a weight on your back, won't you? Yeah. It's important. You young people here, it's important. All the decisions you're going to make in your life are going to lead you down pathways. And you want to always find the path that keeps leading you toward God, not away from God. God rewards the good, but he also recompenses the evil. But not only do we see the intrinsic righteousness of God and the legislative righteousness of God, but thirdly, in the scripture, we see the imputed righteousness of God. The imputed righteousness of God. Now righteousness, true righteousness, cannot be attained by man. I don't want to disappoint you. But none of us sitting here today will ever attain unto righteousness. And this is due to our sinful nature. Oh, you might be saved this morning. You might, you might be one of God's elect children sitting here. But you're still, you're still a sinner. It's not, it's not your ability to stop sinning that made you one of God's elect. The fact of the matter is, even though you're saved and a child of God, you're still a sinner and you still sin. And if you deny that, you're a liar. There's no truth in you. Oh, I wish I never sinned. <laughs> I really do. I really wish I never sinned. But let me tell you something. My daddy used to tell me when I was a boy, he'd say, boy, your mouth wakes up an hour before your brain. And the two never meet all day long. Yeah. You say, why don't you ever think before you speak? And you know, I don't want to, but I sin. I do. I'm, I hope you don't think I'm standing here this morning and I'm trying to project myself as someone who's, who's grown beyond sin. And Oh, no, no. I'm just a dying man teaching dying men. I'm a sinner. So there is no, there's no way I can attain righteousness. But the scripture cites examples of righteousness being imputed unto men by the will and purpose of God. What does it mean, imputed? Uh, it's, this isn't a perfect illustration, but it's, how many of you, how many of you got a flu shot this year? Raise your hand. Well, you know what your doctor did? He imputed the vaccine into your body. He injected it. Yeah. And when we get saved, we have the nature of Christ is imputed into us. Our DNA. Let me, let me try to bring it down to something we can wrap our minds around. Our DNA is changed. Now we have within us the nature, the DNA of Christ himself. And it is his righteousness that we possess. Not our righteousness. It is his righteousness. And God looks upon me and sees the righteousness of Christ 
in me. Now me, myself, I'm worthless. I'm, I'm like filthy rags unto the Lord. But the righteousness of Christ that dwells in me has redeemed me and makes me acceptable in his sight. It is that and that alone that I can claim this morning. Not my own righteousness, but his. Romans chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. But not before God, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, we read, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Philemon chapter 3 and verse 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Yes, God has imputed righteousness to me. He has credited me with the righteousness of Christ, a righteousness which does not come from my works. It is a righteousness which is given to us through the finished work of Christ on Calvary. It is a gift of God. A gift which cannot be purchased at any price. It is not mine to earn. Rather, it is God's to give to whomsoever he will. So we see this morning that righteous nature of Christ, that attribute of righteousness and justice. It's, it's an intrinsic Attribute. It is, it is an attribute that he alone possesses, for he alone is God. It is an imputed righteousness. It is his, his righteousness that makes us acceptable in the beloved. But then, this morning, with the last few minutes, I want to look at attribute number 15. And that is that God is true. He is true. God is the ultimate and the only source of truth in the universe. He is the only standard of truth. This is why the Bible describes him as the God that cannot lie. In Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we read Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. The scripture concludes that it is utterly impossible for God to lie. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. This may be taken a step further and stated that God not only cannot lie, but he has no no need to lie. Why do men lie? Well, most commonly, a lie is resorted to by men to get out of a tight spot. Hmm? Kids, little kids. You know, by the way, you don't have to teach a little kid to lie. Did you know that? They come out of their mother's womb knowing how to lie. Hey, yeah, little kid. You break that? No, not me. Yeah. My mom one time built a, she not built, she baked a chocolate cake for my dad's birthday. Daddy loved chocolate. And she had to run to the store, so she told my sister, do not let your brother touch that cake. And she went to the store. And I would, I wanted, I wanted that cake. So I would, I was doing like I was an airplane and I'd fly by and I'd swoop by, by the cake and I'd run my finger across and I'd, I'd lick off the chocolate come back and do it again. When mom got home, there was a big old spot of the cake that was bald, no more icing. She looked over at me, did you do that? And I had chocolate around my mouth. No, I didn't do that, mom. Hmm? That's our nature to lie, but not God. God doesn't need to lie. Not only do men lie to get out of a tight spot, but also to impress someone else. Huh? Come on now. You ever told a lie in your life just to, just to impress someone? You guys, you can't tell me you haven't lied to girls you were dating because you wanted to make yourself look so much better. Hmm? Yeah, we lie to impress people. We lie to get an advantage. God has no need of all those things. He doesn't need to lie. He never finds himself in a situation where he needs anything but truth. Psalm 50, verses 10 through 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. What, what in the world would God have to lie about? He has all power. He has all knowledge. His will is supreme. Why would he need to lie to us? It makes no sense. He has no need. Truth is therefore anything factual about God. Anything we find about God in the scripture, we can attest to as truth. The child of God may well say, I speak the truth. When we we speak the word of God, we speak the truth. But only the Son of God can say, I am the truth. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father 
but by me. Now, you know, that's not a verse you, you, you see written across billboards very often. Because men don't want to believe that. They don't want to believe that Jesus is the truth. They don't want to believe that he is the only way. They want to believe that their efforts are good enough. You know, before I got saved, if you'd have asked me, what does it take to get to heaven? I'd have, I'd have told you this. When you die, you're going to stand before God and he's going to have a scale. He's going to weigh your good works against your bad. Whichever side tips the scale wins. That's what I believed. That's because I was stupid. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I was ignorant. God is truth. Jesus is truth. He is the only way. He is the true way. Not Allah. Not uh, Buddha. Not Mohammed. Jesus and Jesus alone is the truth. John 17, 3. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. God is truth. He is true. He is righteous. He is just. He is holy. We can go on and we will go on. I have a few more attributes to share, but not today. As we follow Christ, we follow truth. And we can rest in the fact that truth never changes. Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord, I change not. All I can say to these facts this morning is this, praise the Lord. That I am his child. Can you say that today? Can you sit there and say I am a child of God? If you can. Then praise his holy name. Alright folks. I'm going to go ahead and stop there. We're a few minutes early. But uh, I'll give you a couple extra minutes to stretch around. Thank you and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation. Of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.